Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo-wah. Welcome to another edition of The Jerry Ratcliffe Podcast here at jerryratcliffe.com. And it's my pleasure this week to introduce a guy I've known for a long time and have ultimate respect for. It covers Carolina like nobody else. We're talking about Andrew Jones, publisher of Tar Heel Illustrated. They're affiliated with Rivals Network. And uh, Andrew, AJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm talking to Hootie, man. I couldn't be doing any better than that. <laughs> Between you and Ed Lane, I, I, I'm hitting a home run every time Carolina plays UVA because I get to talk to you guys. Well, we, we love having you on our, our shows, that's for sure, because uh, nobody knows the Tar Heels like you do. And, uh, gosh, we go back a ways and uh, covering this ACC gig and uh, it's been a lot of fun guys like you make it even more fun i appreciate that likewise well we're getting ready for the south's oldest rivalry to renew on saturday at noon at scott stadium acc network i think is correct yeah um carolina coming to town 127th meeting dating back to 1892 uh contrary to thought i did not cover that game uh, <laughs> I've seen a bunch of them. Uh, Carolina's a seven-point favorite, and I'm I'm a little surprised by that. I figured it would be more. But, uh, A.J., uh, you're bringing in an offensive juggernaut. Yeah, they uh, – Drake May is the real deal. And I, I, I try to – for a while, I've tried to refrain from saying he's as good as he is just because – we needed more games. We need to see more games of what he does. A lot of guys will look really good for four or five weeks, and then teams try to figure out a way to scout them and defend and scheme against them, and and then they kind of hit reality a little bit. But I don't know if there's a way you can scheme against a guy that literally checks every box, Jerry. He checks every box as a quarterback that there that there is, literally every box. And um, I've told people – I. You know, I've been around a long time and I covered the league for a long time. And I covered Philip Rivers a lot when he was at NC State. Right. And Drake reminds me of him in terms of the competitiveness and the grit. And not a lot of quarterbacks are really good fanny slappers, but Philip was a great fanny slapper. And Drake is becoming that guy. He's got it in him. But I think he's actually technically more sound than Philip was. And and but he hits the he can hit every throw. Philip may have had a little bit stronger deep ball arm, uh, but Drake still has a strong enough deep ball arm. And so that would be the comparison to me for all the guys that I've covered. I've covered I covered Russell Wilson. I've covered a lot of really good ones. Carolina's had a real good string of excellent quarterbacks here for a while. Drake's just on a different level, and I could tell you that when you talk to people around the program, the NFL folks are check it in on him every day. Right. And he's not even eligible for the draft until April 24. And there's a strong belief that he is by far the runaway guy for, for the number one pick in 24. He's just, he's that dude basically. Yeah. I, I covered rivers a little bit too, from afar, from up here, but did seem a lot. And I think that people complained about his throwing motion back yeah. in the days, but uh, yeah. Uh, Drake May seems like uh, he's just unbelievable for a freshman, and he still has time to develop his arm, I guess. But, uh, I mean, he's already thrown for 2,671 yards and 29 touchdowns and only been intercepted three times. Uh, 
I think I saw it might have been on your site the other day where he's he's somewhat unflappable. Nothing bothers him. He yeah. just keeps going. Yeah, the success doesn't. He gets jazzed up for the moment, but then it's on to the next thing. And he's a guy that will fixate on a couple of mistakes. He threw 44 passes against Pitt. Maybe four of them weren't good passes. And that's the, those are the four things he focuses on the next day. He had a great game, set a career high in passing yards, another five TD performance. He's getting all kinds of national attention. It's It doesn't even matter to him. He's going to fixate on the things he needs to do better. And he's a quarterback who takes a lot of responsibility. He doesn't. He takes a lot of the blame. He, he's an encourager on uh, on the field and on the sideline. In fact, there are times where the offense comes off the field and the defense needs to get a stop, and he'll go over a lot of the defensive guys and give them encouragement coming off. So, I, not not to I'm not being critical of Sam Howe, but Sam wasn't that personality. You have to be who you are. That wasn't Sam's personality. And I think that there is a reason that this team has become player led that Mac's been talking about lately and why they've been able to win close games is because they have guys like Drake to do that. Cedric Gray doesn't know what Taylor was doing. The kid that played at UVA, but he's now out for the season. He was doing that as well. So they have a lot of dudes like that on the roster that if they were there a year ago, this wasn't coming out, but it is now. And I think Drake's a big part of it. I think he just gives everybody confidence. They know that as long as he he's going to play that day, they have a chance to beat anybody. And and I think realistically they do. Yeah, it sounds like it. The uh, Carolina's seven and one, four and zero oh in the ACC. They're uh, ranked seventeenth by AP, but more importantly, they're ranked seventeenth by the College Football Playoff rankings and. Uh, I think uh, Mac said earlier this week, AJ, that uh, this team earned that ranking. They've they've done what they've had to do. They have, and they they ha- it hasn't been a walk in the park. That's for sure. They they have had some ugly performances, but still found ways to win. They weren't very good at Georgia State, and I thought that was a tough game for them mentally. You know, sometimes a team goes on the road, they play in a weird environment. They, Georgia State plays in tur- what used to be Turner Field, right. where the Braves played. I was at the game. It was drizzling. Uh, it, it was the weirdest configuration for a college football field I've ever seen. Uh, there were maybe 14,000 people in that giant stadium. So it was one of those deals where the kids don't know who the heck they're playing. They have to generate their own energy. They still don't know who they are. They're coming off the game against App State where they gave up 61 points. So they weren't very confident. There was some infighting going on in defense a little bit, but they still found a way to close strong and win that game. And I think that that game gave them a lot of confidence. It it showed them that, you know, we can have a, a really – you know, lackluster uh, vibe to our performance, not a lot of what Mike Krzyzewski would call verve. And yet they still found a way to win. Now, Georgia State's not very good, but it doesn't matter. College football, you just got to win because bad teams beat good teams all the time nowadays. So I thought that that was a real pivotal game for that club because it showed them that they had a different fiber that last year's team didn't have. Last year's team went down to Atlanta and played a horrible Georgia Tech team and got blown out. Uh, so I think that that they've sort of 
added things to the cart as they've gone along this season. And each time they add something, they're taking a bad thing out and they're dumping it. So where they are now, when Max says they've earned it, they're actually a pretty good football team. Now the defense has gotten a lot better. They're making plays They're getting off the field. They're forcing three and outs. They're forcing punts. They've gotten some timely turnovers. They've been solid in special teams and sometimes really good. And they've got a dude at quarterback and a couple of wide receivers that just make plays. They're Sunday guys. They have two Sunday receivers for sure. And they are playing at that level right now. So at this point in time, <clears throat> yeah, I think they're worthy of being 17 in the CFP. Uh, two weeks ago, I wouldn't say that. They hadn't yet gotten to that point. But they are progressing each week, and it's been rather interesting to cover. Yeah, and, and briefly going back to Drake May, how much of that do you – his coolness, I guess, his poise, how much of that do you attribute to growing up in such an athletic family that, that they've experienced pretty much everything that college athletics has to offer? And, and they've – I'm sure he grew up uh, gaining a lot of uh, exposure to that and, and just learning from from everyone and, and getting great advice. And, and how much of it is Phil Longo? Well, um, I'll go to the family part first. He's the youngest of four sons. So he had a dad that was an all-ACC quarterback at Carolina. So then his Two of his older brothers, one is Luke. Most people probably listening to this know who Luke is. He won a national title, hit the big shot against Kentucky. A lot of people uh, his compared bro- him to uh, Cavman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, he has another older brother uh, who's now walking on the basketball team and looks a lot like Luke, has a little bit of beard and everything. Another older brother, Cole, won a national championship in baseball at Florida. So – Drake's the youngest one. So he had those guys beating on him for years and pummeling him and playing him one-on-one in the driveway and just destroying him because that's what older brothers do to younger brothers. And so I think he had the benefit of being the youngest one. Dina King, who covers NC preps, and she's my football recruiting person. She's been watching Drake for years. She's been telling me for three years, four years, that Drake's the best athlete in the family. So he's got – He's got the experience of being beaten down by older brothers and having those competitive fires fueled by getting up and going back at the older brothers. Right. But he's also the best athlete. And he in the whole family, there are high IQ people, they're academic people. They're extraordinarily competitive with everything they do and the demands and the academics are the same as the athletics. So with that comes discipline. So Drake is unbelievably disciplined. So he's dedicated to checking all the boxes to, I'm going to be very cliched here, Jerry, checking all the boxes, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but it's actually true. That's the best way to describe him. And then he's got a, a, a heck of a lot of athletic ability. He was a really good high school basketball player. I asked him a couple of days ago, about we were having a conversation with a couple of media members in a Q&A session about his ability to throw on the run. It's so effective that Phil Longo actually said it's Pat Mahomes-like on Monday. Wow. So we were we wanted to know, you know, where does that come from? And he said, yeah, a lot of it comes from his basketball days. You know, he was a wing. He could drive to the baseline, driving. And just He was a really good passer, a very willing passer. Surprise, surprise. And he said that all those things added up to making him what he is now. As far as Longo goes, I think Phil Longo's track record speaks for itself. He's he's an excellent offensive coordinator. He, he's a meticulous teacher of quarterbacks. 
And uh, he spends an hour every week individually with each of the quarterbacks on the roster, even the guys that are never going to sniff the field. But you never know if there's a scenario where they might have to. So he treats them like starters during the course of the week. And he keeps an edge going during the week. So when Drake goes out to practice on Tuesday, you know, he has to compete. He still has to keep competing. And I think that that's the culture that Phil Longo has given that room. Plus, he's just a great teacher of the position. He is, he is as meticulous as it gets as a teacher for a position coach that I've seen in college football. And I've been around a lot of dudes. And um, Sam Howell was his first project at UNC and Drake May is his second project. And I think that uh, right now, Phil Longo would grade out very well in that. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4600. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. (laughs) Pretty good track record, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about I mean, these are our numbers and, and factoids, but I don't know. You might be able to throw these things out the window this time around, in, in my opinion. But, yeah, Virginia's 23-7 and seven at home at Scott Stadium since 2018, which uh, – and and they won four of the last five games against Carolina. Uh, Mac Brown is 0 for 6 in Charlottesville. Um, I don't know if any of that matters this time around, but uh, – uh, you can speak to that from from the Carolina angle. Virginia, I think uh, their defense has played well, but they haven't faced anybody like Drake May or Carolina's offense all season. They've they've they haven't really faced a ranked team because Illinois wasn't ranked when they played them. Although it looked like Illinois was going to be a really good football team, I, I don't know if Virginia's defense can hold up against this kind of pressure and. Uh, and certainly Virginia's offense is, has been atrocious lately. As far as the records, 
you know, that's come up this week. And it's funny, Mac was asked about Mac was asked about the 96 game when they had a 17-3 lead, and that was the right. Antoine Harris interception game. I, that was the first game I ever covered, by the way, in this business. Really? So that was the first time I ever had a press credential. And that's so my first game ever was the biggest loss in Carolina football history, which is pretty funny. And Mac was asked about that the other day, and in classic Mac Brown fashion, he responded by saying, Everybody, y'all ask me about that, but you don't ask me about the next year. When that we had them up here and they were up 20 to three and we scored 45 unanswered to blow them out. Uh, so I do think that where you go matters. Um, he says that there is no curse. And I agree because no one would ever ask if you've lost in Tuscaloosa a bunch of times, is there a curse? Or if you've lost in Columbus or Baton Rouge. And my point is, is that when, when Mac took teams there before the first five times at Carolina, those were really good UVA teams. George Welsh yeah. was a terrific. He's one of the best coaches in ACC history. He's clearly the best coach in UVA history. They were a national program back in the day. So there's no shame in losing those games. They oh. lost to better teams almost every uh, – the 96 team was probably better than UVA that year, but that's probably the only time they were better than UVA when they went to Charlottesville. And two years ago, Carolina went to the Orange Bowl that year, but they were still figuring out who they were. And they lost by a point. And they, they bungled a fourth down – situation defensively uh knew that uva was going to go for it but they still had the punt return unit on the field which was mind-boggling but nevertheless it, it wasn't like uva didn't have skill guys and they weren't beating other people so right. i don't think there's a whole lot to it but at the same time it comes up and the kids are asked about it so you know how psychology is in sports you know if they're struggling not that it's gonna not that it's gonna consciously come into the minds of the players oh well mac has never won here before so we're doomed <laughs> but I, I do think that those things kind of seep in through the side door a lot with athletes. So it maybe something like that is an issue with a kid, or maybe it is afterward when they try to explain what the heck happened. More than anything, Jerry, I, I think that you're looking at a North Carolina program that historically loses a game that has no business losing. They do it all the time. It is, it is as much of their football DNA as anything else is. And this sets up as a perfect game for that because they're coming off an emotional game against Pittsburgh that they put a lot into next week. They go to wake forest, which is a game that they have been, they, they circled for a while. If, if they, they need to get some wins against quality teams, they want to move up that CFP. They're talking about it. I don't think CFP is a, is a reality for this team, but they do have wake left. They do have state left. And then they do have Clemson in the ACC championship game, assuming that they get there. Uh, so this is what, this is kind of a trap game. The fact that the media was asking some players this week, did you know that this was a rivalry? Did you know? Because UVA Carolina used to be the biggest football rivalry for the two schools for years, right. for decades. So a lot of them didn't know that. So it's a noon start. They're on the road. I don't think it's going to be a full house up there. UVA has not had very no. good environments this season. <laughs> so the team's going to have to generate their own energy. They've lost a lot of dudes for the season with injuries here in the last couple of weeks. I think it sets up as a as one of those games that North Carolina historically loses. What they have going for them is a guy at quarterback that might be good enough to pull them out of those types of games. They play a losing football game. He gets them to the winner's circle. That's that's my take on Drake. We we saw him do it at Duke in some respects, and we saw him do it at Georgia State that I alluded to before. The, the Georgia State was a game this team would have lost a lot uh, last year. 
Miami was a game they would have lost last year. Duke was a game they would have lost last year, but they have that guy at, at quarterback who is an absolute difference maker. Yeah, and those guys can really uh, uh, pull a team out of a bad situation yeah. just individually. Uh, we've seen it time and again, uh, particularly with uh, Patrick Mahomes, who you mentioned earlier, the, that Longo referred to. Um, Carolina's 5-0 in road games, or trying to go be 5-0 in road games for the first time in a quarter century, I guess. Um, the defense, as good as the offense is, uh, it kind of reminds me of last year's Virginia team. Virginia's offense yeah. was amazing. The defense was one of the worst in the country. And you guys are <clears> – Carolina's beating up a little bit on that side of the ball right now. Um, I don't know if Virginia can – muster enough offense to make it uh to take advantage of that or not because I mean, they played uh the full game last week in four overtimes and couldn't score a touchdown against Miami in a 14 to 12 loss um and uh, we're in the red zone four times couldn't score a touchdown and on the two point conversion tries which they had two of those uh, in the last two overtimes they couldn't score from three yards out either time. So the offense is struggling mightily. Uh, may not make any difference to Carolina struggling on defense. Well, let's put it this way. When Notre Dame came to Chapel Hill, Notre Dame was struggling big time on offense. Drew Pine was really having a tough start to the season, and they got well against Carolina, at least for that day. Carolina goes down to Miami a couple of weeks later. Tyler Van Dyke was having issues. Miami was having pass protection issues. And Van Dyke throws for almost 500 yards. They lost the game, but he still lit up Carolina's secondary. My point is, is that these kids know what Brennan did last year. He threw for 554, which, which he shattered the record of most yards thrown against Carolina in a single game by 96 yards. Yeah. So they're well aware of what he can do. They know what those receivers can do. And when I watch UVA, it's almost painful, not because they're not good on offense, but I know what they have. I know they have issues on the offensive line, but there are a lot of dudes on that team, skill guys that can make money at the next level. And to see them struggle like that is truly, to I think I told you before we started recording this, to me it's one of the biggest stories of the year in the ACC, if not the biggest story. Yes. I know Drake will get a lot of attention, and the quarterback situation at Clemson is going to get a lot of attention, but the UVA situation is mind-boggling. But the Carolina kids have said all week long, we're preparing for 2021 Brennan Armstrong and, and Wicks and Thomas and, and Kemp and all those guys. They're not preparing for this year so much. The only difference is that they say there are some schematic things they're doing differently, and that's what they'll focus on. So they're saying the right things, but – you know, this defense, even when it's been really good for itself, it has ugly spots and it's going to have ugly spots. So uh, if there is an opportunity, if there is a time when the UVA offense is going to break out, Jerry, and Brennan Armstrong is going to be Brennan Armstrong, this Saturday is an opportunity for them to do that. It's a chance to do that because Carolina is susceptible to the deep ball, especially the deep ball over the middle. I mean, they've been really poor in coverage in those situations. A lot of play action stuff and quarterbacks who move and Brennan Armstrong moves. It's mind-boggling to me, incredible to me, what you just said about those two-point conversions. When you have a guy that can move like Brennan, you should be converting two-point conversions. So I think there's a chance that if UVA has a breakout game in it offensively, it could happen this weekend. There's no doubt about it. Well, they better because they could they could get uh, pretty lopsided if they, if they can't because uh, I asked Tony Elliott uh, 
Tuesday, if this turns into a track meet, uh, is he concerned? Because I don't know if they can keep up with Carolina's offensive pace uh, with the ineptness that they've shown on offense. And he didn't give me a really good answer to that, but – I, I, you know, if if you're right, if Virginia has a breakout game, if they're ever going to get anything turned around, it, this is the golden opportunity for them to at least make an attempt to do that. And because uh, they have uh, they have Pitt, Coastal Carolina, and Virginia Tech remaining, they don't leave the state of Virginia the rest of the season. So uh, who knows? They uh, if they're ever going to rally, this this is a golden opportunity to to try to make something happen, but. Uh, most of us who've watched Virginia's offense don't have a lot of faith that things are going to turn around, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that's why well, they play the game. <laughs> those of us who have watched North, every snap of North Carolina's defense this year will tell you that that's a, it, it could happen. If Brent Armstrong could explode this weekend, it's the team to do it against. Now, in fairness to Carolina, they've been better since they got into ACC play. And I do think the unit has been better, but they still give up chunk plays and, and explosives a lot. Even against Pitt the other night, Pitt finished with 367 yards, but they had eight explosives that accumulated well over 200 of those yards. So they could get you in a third and long and look like they're going to win the, win the series. And then you hit a third and nine, you go 22 yards, and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're moving. You get another 15-yard play, and then you get stopped for no gain twice, and then a 17-yard play. That's kind of what they do. They get crossed up a lot in the secondary. They don't generate a consistent pass rush. And now they're without their power rush end in Des Evans. He's out for the year. They're without Noah Taylor, who was their best pass rusher. He's out for the year. A week ago, they announced Reva Hasek, who was their most experienced interior defensive lineman. He's out for the year. And who was their true backup linebacker early in the year is out for the year as well. So they're very thin in some spots. They do have a lot of talent. They've recruited very, very well. Uh, so they're going to put a lot of young kids out there on the field that the fans are excited to see because they've been wanting to see them anyway with all the struggles. So who knows? Maybe there's an upgrade simply because of talent. Maybe these kids are loose and they make some plays happen. But I, I would tend to think that, on its best day, Carolina's defense against a decent offense is going to be okay at best. Virginia's offense hasn't been decent, though. <laughs> so who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we'll, we'll see it all come out on Saturday. Uh, we don't know what to expect, uh, but it, it could – It could. there's so many uh, little sidebars to this game. Who knows? Uh, Virginia might be able to get it together, and they, they might get their doors blown off. We're not sure yet. But we'll find out Saturday at noon. And uh, AJ, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the press box, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, looking for. I always love going up. You know, I'm from Virginia originally. Yeah, so I always get. I grew up in Alexandria, so I'm always excited every time I get to go back to the Commonwealth, and especially Charlottesville. That's a special place. It's it's a pretty place to be, no question about it. And um, I, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out. I know you're uh, swarmed like I am this time of year with football and, and basketball about to start. So uh, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time, brother. And, and uh, safe travels. We'll see you on Saturday. It's always my pleasure talking to you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you.